You're listening to Tatiana Is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. And if you are new to the show, we discuss topics rather than specific episodes. So this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We are discussing the series in its entirety, which as of this recording is the first season. So if you have not seen the first season, beware that there are spoilers ahead. In this episode, we're going to discuss the color schemes associated with the various clones. Now, assigning different colors and color schemes to different characters or groups of characters is nothing new, but I think it takes on extra significance in Orphan Black because the show is so much about identity. Whether we think about it or not, sartorial choices say a lot about us, you know, personalities and preferences and or what kinds of images we want to project. And, of course, it's important in Orphan Black to differentiate between characters, even though, of course, much of that's carried by Tatiana's acting and all that sort of thing. But uh, it's still necessary to code the characters for scenes in which one character is posing as another, for example. So, so starting out, I think Allison has a very apparent c- color scheme. We see her a lot in pinks and purples and then some blues. Yes. I mean, you hardly ever see Allison without pink of some kind on her person. Which makes me wonder if she was the one who bought all of the clone phones and the cases. (laughs) I would not be surprised now that you mention it. It seems like something Allison would have done, A, because she seemed to be the person kind of bankrolling the original clone club, and because the, the cell phone covers are pink. Bright, bright pink. And Allison does seem like the the organizer type, doesn't she? Yes, she does. And yes, so of course the significance of pink and purple and and blue to some extent, because there are always lighter shades of blue, sort of a turquoisey kind of blue. And those colors are often sort of coded as stereotypically feminine, I'd say, which sort of also fits in with Allison's personality, I think. It's a lot of sort of being what she's supposed to be, quote unquote, you know? Right, because she's the stay-at-home mother, she knits and she does crafts, and she's in charge of her kids' activities and sports. She's very much a sort of what we think of as a traditional woman's roles. That seems to be where she exists, was is within this very traditionally female sphere. So it makes sense that she would be clothed in very stereotypically feminine colors. And I think it's been pointed out that when we first see her, she's in like a very, very vibrant pink shirt. And then... This is at the soccer practice, right? Where Sarah confronts her for the first time? Right. And contrasting that with the last scene, the finale, where she's wearing a very muted pink shirt. So possibly more vibrant colors on Allison is sort of maybe more like herself because she's really worn down by the experiences of the first season and Ainsley and the monitor's situation. And so, so possibly the change in color intensity, I guess, is reflective of that change in personality. Right. Because we see in the final episode, we see Allison essentially signing away her life to science, which is something she clearly resents about herself, that she's not a person, that she's 
or she doesn't feel like she's a real person when she learns that she's a clone. So to see her signing away, saying, you know, yes, you can come and do these experiments on me as long as you, you know, sort of leave my family out of it to this extent is very much Allison kind of giving in a certain amount, a certain portion of her life. And she's wearing that muted pink shirt when she's signing that contract. So I think there is a suggestion of that, that Allison is not really acting for herself in that moment, maybe. Right. I mean, to me, that scene is all about just the fight has gone out of Allison. Right. And I think we also see in the episode where, you know, Allison says F it and has sex with Chad and kind of beats up Ainsley. She's wearing a blue skater jacket, which is actually quite bright in color comparatively because she often wears very pastel type colors. And so maybe there's the suggestion with that sort of brighter blue jacket that Allison is acting more like herself, acting more in her interest in that episode than she is at other times during the series. Indeed. So then we switch from looking at Allison to looking at Cosima. And I think the piece of clothing, the color that really stands out the most about Cosima is her bright red coat. Yes. Speaking of bright colors and being oneself. Yes. As we talked about during the Cosima episode, Cosima's very much, you know, who she is, especially among the clones, it seems like. I think really... Now that I'm thinking about it, Kasima's the only clone that we haven't seen pose as another clone. It's true. She has not pretended to be anybody else. Main characters, anyway. And that's partially due to the fact of geographic reasons, right? Because she's in another state most oh, of realize. the time. But yeah, I think it is also significant she hasn't done this because she is sort of the most comfortable being being herself of all the clones that we've seen so far. Right. And so of course I, I know we don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. So avert your ears if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> the The bright red coat, sort of the same color as the blood in episode 10. I'm sorry, everybody. I know. but I don't know what you're talking about. Kasim is fine. I'm talking about that other thing that... Never mind. <laughs> but, I mean, basically, it's one of those things, like, as soon as she starts coughing up, the blood, which may or may not have happened. I'm sorry. No clue what you're talking about, but go on. I know. Okay. That was the first thing I noticed, that the blood is the same color as the coat that she's wearing in that same scene. So, of course, it's sort of this moment of, you know, holy crap, she's been marked this whole time and we haven't realized. Again, this is me being overly nerdy and finding meaning in design choices, but... Another thing that I think is interesting, because we have Cosima in her bright red coat, which is, you know, obviously her personal coat, and it's a very bright, bold color. We see other bright, bold colors associated with her. For example, the the back of her laptop, which has a DNA design on it and very bold, bright colors. But if you contrast that bright red coat with her white lab coat, I find that kind of interesting to think about just because I f- it, both are sort of important aspects of herself. I think she's she very much identifies as a scientist. So I don't think she feels out of place wearing a lab coat, but it's so different in sort of color and how maybe her personality comes across compared to that bright red coat that she wears outside of the lab. And what's kind of interesting is that really the cut of the red coat is 
is really similar to a lab coat, you know, in length and style. It's it's not that different, uh, aside from the materials and color, obviously. But but I guess we do have Cosima with that bright laptop kind of sticking out a bit in the lab when we see wider shots of the lab. You know, it's very sort of sterile, cool blues in the lab. And then here you have Cosima with her brightly colored laptop. Right. It is all very sort of blues and grays and, and white and yeah. Cosima with her crazy pattern on her laptop, crazy and bright. And of course, we can contrast the lab environment with Cosima's apartment because they're, it's all sort of darker earth tones and some jewel tones, which sort of goes back to the whole science and nature thing, I think. And, and also bold. And then, you know, going back to the DNA pattern that we see on her laptop, we also see a lot of similar kind of bolder patterns associated with Cosima or sort of sciency patterns associated with Cosima because she has that tattoo on her of the, it's a nautilus shell, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Which has mathematical and sort of scientific significance. So very geeky tattoo. It's awesome. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I think all of, all of Cosima's design elements, clothing wise and, and apartment wise, it's all sort of bohemian and bright and bold and, and which is all just very, it's very Cosima. Again, going back to the, the thing about Cosima really being the one who's just most, most out there as herself. Anyway, moving on to Sarah. Sarah's very much all all in black a lot of the time. Especially when she's... It, it's, it's trickier to say about Sarah because for a good chunk of the series, she's pretending to be Beth. So she's wearing Beth's clothes. But really, when we see Sarah at her most Sarah, which is at the beginning of the season, she tends to wear all black. Yep, it's usually, and, and if there's another color, it's like a, a little streak of another color or, you know, the design on our Clash t-shirt or something. But yeah, it's, it's very, very black, which of course is sort of the, sort of a punk rebel kind of, kind of significance there, sort of coding her that way in the audience's mind. Well, I'm trying to think in the episode, I guess it's episode two, where she goes and sees Allison at this at the soccer practice. Isn't she wearing some gray pants or a gray hoodie? It feels like she's she's also got some gray in her color palette as well when she's dressed as herself. I want to say that's the weird camo pants. Okay, so it's it's camo pants. I think so. Unless I'm misremembering. So she does have some other colors, I guess, in her wardrobe, but it very, very like neutral. I mean, black is the predominant color for Sarah, I think. Right. And uh, of course, there is another, towards the end of the season, she has their black pants, but then they have sort of a weird fade thing at the bottom of them. But I think for Sarah, we also see some progression in her color palette over the course of the season, because toward the end of the season, she has a blue plaid shirt that she wears for several episodes with some kind of, you know, just a bold primary blue to it. And she wears the shirt, I think, especially after Kira has been injured. So maybe 
this sort of broadening of her color palette, bringing in this this brighter blue is maybe a suggestion that her character has softened a bit over the course of the series because she's very, very hard, very much into this sort of rebellious punk image at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the season has developed more of a sense of community with with a group of people. I'd say that's fair. And and I think there's some of it too. So much of Sarah's time on screen is about trying to project a certain image or be a certain way. And I think towards the end of the season, it's just about getting everybody through their situation. It's sort of less concern about appearance, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Because it's, it's not a fancy shirt or anything. It's just sort of a, it's the thing that you'd sort of wear to be comfortable. Right, exactly. So I think even when Sarah is dressed as, as Beth, it's not completely out of Sarah's usual color palette. She still wears a lot of blacks and things, but I think the color I associate most with Beth is gray. When we see videos of her training, isn't she wearing like a gray uh, shirt, like like a athletic shirt? I honestly don't remember. It is either gray or black, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Beth is very much associated with sort of neutral colors. And, you know, part of it's sort of a professionalism kind of thing, I think. It's sort of the gray is an institutional kind of color, you know, because Beth is very much in, very much in as part of the system, being a, a police detective and all. But gray has institutional associations, but it's also got associations with depression, which of course is, you know, how we are introduced to Beth essentially, and also her environment, which granted is, is I guess Paul's environment as well. But Paul is also color coded very gray and black so yes exactly so just this very neutral palette not not a lot of happiness going on in that house it seems right and you cannot hide in minimalist furniture (laughs) it's very difficult so looking at helena who i think is the most physically as far as her physical appearance is concerned the most different looking than the other main clones with her long, blonde, curly hair. The colors I associate most with Helena, I think, are white and then blood red because of actual blood, not because, not like Kasima with her metaphorical blood red jacket, but actual blood. And then army green because of Helena's jacket. Yeah, I agree. And I think some of it's sort of supposed to be like a contrast between the innocence and vulnerability, which is sort of what white tends to be associated with. And the fact that there's, I mean, the army green jacket, it's, it's army green. It's sort of a militaristic kind of association there, at least in my mind. So to me, those two things together sort of equal maybe the whole Helena as a child soldier sort of thing. Absolutely, because I think the most memorable outfits that she wears are the white slip that she's wearing when she and Sarah have their confrontation in Maggie Chen's apartment. She is just very vulnerable and childlike in that moment. And then, of course, her sort of standard uniform with the combat boots and the jeans and the white shirt and the army green. So definitely, I think there's that contrast between innocent Helena and this hardened soldier that she is 
ter- been turned into by the organization that has adopted her. Yep. And of course, all of that always at various points stained with her own blood or possibly the blood of others, which is all very unnerving. Which, you know, both speaks to the fact that she does kill several people through the course of, of the first season, but also I think maybe marks her to a certain extent as a victim. Right. Thus creating the poignancy that is Helena. Exactly. And speaking of victims, this was something I just kind of thought of recently because we have uh, our sort of one last clone that we see a glimpse of is is Katya. And I think she's most memorable because of her bright red hair. Again, red and blood and victimhood. Exactly. Her bright red hair and then her fur vest that she wears. And because I think it's very telling that when Sarah pretends to be her, only having met Katja the one time very briefly, you know, she snags a fur little vest and black hat and the hotel staff are still able to pick her out, even though her face is fairly well covered. So I think it's a fair assumption that fur was maybe something that Katya wore quite a bit. But given Katya's black hair, or sorry, bright red hair plus the furs, it kind of creates this image in my head of Katya as kind of this defenseless animal, this vulnerable defenseless animal that Helena just sort of shot and picked off like she was nothing. With a sniper rifle. Indeed. Yeah, that's one of those things that it never occurred to me and probably never would have occurred to me had you not mentioned it when we were talking about doing this episode. So, so yeah, that, that is an interesting, interesting insight on your part, I think. I don't know if it was intentional, but just in thinking about her, you know, the colors we see her in as well as her wardrobe in general, I was just like, huh, that kind of reminds me of an animal. That has been shot. <laughs> and maybe it's because I'm a vegetarian. I tend to think of animals as being kind of defenseless, so. <laughs> Possibly. But yeah, I mean, because it's one of those things, you know, first first thoughts on furs, it's sort of like a, like a fancy, rich kind of a thing, you know. But yeah, once you recontextualize it like that, and the fact that poor Katya did get shot with a sniper rifle through the head, yeah, it seems very very poor defenseless animal kind of getting hunted thing. So I'm curious what listeners have maybe thought about the different color schemes used to differentiate the different clones and what your thoughts are on the topic. So we would love to hear your feedback. You can send us that feedback in a variety of ways. You can go to tatianaiseveryone.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. You can also send us your feedback directly. You can email feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com or you can call and leave a voice message on our listener voicemail line. That number is 972-514-7223. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are at TIE Podcast. And that wraps up our episode on color design. Thank you for listening. <laughs>